episode this week. Jo- I'm Chris Peterson. Join with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up, Chris? What's up, people? Yo, yo! Fresh off the heels of Comic-Con. Great rock. I got news to drop. I got everything going crazy. My God, I had such a great time. That's what's going on, Chris. What's going on with you? I mean, I got to kind of witness your amazing weekend uh, via online. I, I got to see you on, on, on Friday night after, you know, the day one, basically. Um, so that's what I wanted to kind of dedicate this entire show to was that of your experiences at the largest Comic-Con in the entire country. Yes, there are more people that go to New York than San Diego. So, you know, for people who want to say San Diego is the biggest one in the world, incorrect, incorrect. So uh, what I mean, typically on this show, what we do is Ben and I will bring our top five picks of the week in terms of, you know, big news stories or things like that. But again, I just wanted to devote this entire discussion to Comic-Con. So Ben, I'm going to ask you for your top, you know, three, five, however many things you want to discuss, things that you witnessed, saw, uh, heard at Comic-Con, give it all to us. All right. Well, I got, I got five, I got five to wheel out. Perfect. I got tons tons to roll and uh, wheel out. So um, let's start off right off the bat. So I went to a bunch of panels um, went to a bunch of um, the artist booths. I went to a bunch of the vendors, and like you said, this was huge. So I, I didn't realize that it took. It takes place in I think maybe three areas in New York City. I went to just two of them. I went to MSG hmm. at the Hulu Theater, and they went to the Jarvis Center. I kept calling it Jarvis Center, like an Iron Man. I never thought that was funny. Uh, so. Um, so where the Jarvis Center was was where our where where all your vendors were, where all your a lot of your panels were, and then this big main stage was at the Hulu Center in MSG, and uh, that's where I saw some pretty big stuff. But I want to talk about probably the biggest thing that happened this weekend was the reveal of The Watchmen, the TV show for mm. HBO. Um, so this was with um, if you waited in line, you got to go in and watch the first episode of the new show, the series premiere. And I just want to, you know, I don't want to spoil anything because, you know, they'll come and find me and kill me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that was something that was kind of interesting. Like every time they would wheel out something, you know, like a trailer or a clip or an episode, they would have people, you know, checking, making sure you weren't recording, checking, you know, made sure you didn't have your phones out. It was quite intense. And rightfully wow. so. I mean, it was pretty great because we watched this Watchmen episode th- about three weeks before it's going to air on air. Um, so, Chris, I know that we talked a little bit about the Watchmen and kind of tempered expectations, to say the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because, you know, the movie was kind of a mess. Uh, you know, Zack Snyder, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, you know, here comes another IP <laughs> that they're redoing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, here's something that they've dug right. up. Uh, but I'm here to say... Everyone needs to get excited for this. This is going to be the next big show on HBO. Wow. Period. Period. Just there's no question in my mind. I was telling all my quarters. There's no question in my mind. Um, I don't. I don't. I really don't want to spoil anything. But let me just say the acting, the concept 
is really great. Um, the executive producers behind it are some of the producers from Lost, um, and they kind of uh, they were talking about how they learned their some of the mistakes from Lost. It was pretty funny, <laughs> and uh, they you know it was it was great how like just open and honest they were about it and how um, loyal to the Watchmen comic books they were. And actually, that was really cool. They actually had the creator of the Watchmen comic books on the panel. So Whoa. you had the director of like three of the episodes. You had two executive producers, creator of the Watchmen panel, and then you had cast, which included Regina King and, and many others that were just phenomenal. This cast in this one was was great. Um, I don't know his name, but Chris, you know the the the, the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, George yep. Clooney and uh, John Turturro. You know the other guy that's the mm-hmm. escape convict? Yeah, uh, Tim Blake Nelson is his name. Thank you so much, yes. He's in the show, too, and he's phenomenal. Nice. Um, yeah, so just the cast is out of control. Just the... Um, I, I don't want to give anything away, but if you will not be disappointed, um, just go all in. And I think this is going to be the one that gets the most amount of buzz. And like I was telling a coworker that isn't really into comic books or anything like that, I was I was saying this is, you don't have to be into comic books to like this one. This is a hardcore drama slash crime drama that's really based in reality and it's really neat. Um, has to do with a lot with rewriting history as the original Watchmen did, um, and you know that's really big and. Some reimagining going on. That was the biggest thing. That was huge. I just felt blessed to be in the room with just such and just a great discussion about uh, how do you get a comic book onto the screen? Like, what's your kind of path? How do you sell it to like mass audience? It was just awesome, Chris. Awesome wow. stuff. Wow, that's great. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely a property that <clears throat> you know it's the the graphic novel is considered a masterpiece. Um, and the movie was disappointing. So this was like, in, it was really interesting when they announced it. Um, I liked kind of like from all the trailers that I've seen, like I like what they're doing with it. Um, so yeah, it, hearing hearing that is just like, it's getting me even more amped. So can't wait, can't wait to see that. Yeah, dude. Um, and and yeah. you know what was the kind of underlying theme in all the panels that I went to was uh, diversity and um, there was a lot of LGBTQ kind of panels and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. just diversity. And let me just tell you, Regina King in this series was one of the strongest female protagonists I've ever seen on the screen ever. Wow. Just period. Hands, hands I, you have never seen a female protagonist. And I just watched the first episode. She is so badass. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Like, there was literal gasps in the audience. And it's not like these are people that don't know what's going on. It's a comic book movie. We're going to witness something that's kind of geeky and nerdy. And there were gasps. And she would say things and do things. People would stand up and applaud. It was wild watching this with wow. an audience. I mean, it was a visceral experience. Just watching a female protagonist like this take command over uh, male characters on the screen. And, just, uh, and it's not even about you know, the actual shows putting it in your face, but her command of this character, it just kind of, her presence just was like a, a force to be reckoned with. And and I hopefully I'm on, I'm on something when uh, I'm onto something when people watch this 
it was great, Chris. Just great That's stuff. awesome, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, what, what's your number two this week? Number two. Well, let's let's segue into diversity. Um, I went to the Star Trek panel, Ooh, which was okay. at the Hulu Theater at MSG, and this talked about Star Trek, um, Star Trek Discovery, and then they had a second panel with uh, Star Trek Picard. So you had this Star Trek Discovery panel, which had this great, which has a great, amazing cast of a diverse, uh, wonderfully diverse actors, and it has just everything going on in this show. And that was an underlying theme in that one as well. And you know, it just you had people going up. They had um, you know, audience Q and A during it, and people were going up thing saying thank you so much for um, representing. Uh, a diverse population in Star Trek. And um, our friend Lynette, as we met from college, right, Chris? That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she went to a panel. I didn't go to this panel. It was packed in there. Um, she went to the one. It was called uh, Black Nerds. It was about representation of African-American nerds in American uh, comic book culture. It was really wild. Nice. So that was an underlying theme through the whole event. Which was really neat. And so some of the side panels, I know a lot of people, you know, they want to hear about Picard and they want to hear about Walking Dead and stuff. But these side panels, there's a a panel about um, mental health issues and how they're represented at the Comic-Con and uh, in mainstream pop culture. So there was a lot of panels like that. That was really neat. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, stuff that you talk about on the Onstage blog, blog and then stuff that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which was just so cool that you know because to me comic-con one of the coolest things about this was you have a diverse people uh of of nerddom (laughs) in this crowd you know it's you know we're all kind of nerds being here you know lining up for our um funko pop heads and stuff like that and all those (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments and all these funny just nerdy things that we have that we love and share and we're all kind of misfit toys in ourselves. So it was kind of cool to just talk about diversity and, you know, people that haven't been represented over the years. And I thought it was just such a fitting air, like place to do that. And they had an LGBT room and panels and it was great, Chris. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to tell you that because I feel like, you know, a lot of times you champion stories on onstage blog a lot. And um, because of, some practices that go on on Broadway and back behind the scenes and stuff. But I, I feel like that's spilling over into geek culture as well. And, you know, this Watchmen show is going to be a huge mainstream show. So that was really cool. That's awesome. And I think, you know, to your point about, you know, the the diversity of, of fan groups and fandom and nerdom and all that stuff, I think, you know, we're in this era where, I think it's just better for storytelling when you can when you can be inclusive because you know how many how many rich storylines can you develop if everybody is is kind of just that that traditional you know white cisgendered type of storylines. I mean, by bringing in diverse casts racially, by bringing in LGBTQ um, storylines and characters, you you just add to the wealth of different avenues that you can go into. So as, as for networks that are striving for content and striving for originality and things like that, it only makes more sense to be as diverse as possible because you're only helping your, your own, you know, contents, so to speak. So it's, it's awesome to see that a lot of these networks and shows 
are, are getting on board with this. In fact, one one show that um, you know just premiered, I think, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, is this new Batwoman series where yep. you know Batwoman is a lesbian, and um, you know they're going to explore a lot of you know interesting storylines with that. So again, you're just you're just making things better for you know, the audience at that point. So that's awesome that they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So, but getting back to Star Trek diversity, which yes, yes, please was all the show itself hosts a lot of, you have a female um, captain that is, well, she takes over for, um, oh my God, Michelle Yeoh, who was the original captain on the show. And then you have uh, African-American captain. That's the main character. Mm -hmm. And then you have an openly gay couple on, on board. And that uh, one of the the couple, I don't know the other guy, but one of the um, guys in the couple is Anthony Rapp, and he was there too. And, you know, so people were coming up and saying, you know, hey, thank you for having, you know, um, an openly gay couple on Star Trek. And this guy was like, I'm openly gay, and I'm a giant Trekkie, and I've always been, but now I can kind (laughs) of, I have someone to, like, side with, kind of. It was was really cool. And then, uh, this was great, Chris, so... They're talking about the show. So I, I haven't talked about Star Trek Discovery. It's a great little show. Uh, it's entering its third season. Um, and they, they've tried a lot of different things. There's some things that's taken me a while to get used to. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily, uh, definitely not, you know, diversity or, you know, who's playing the parts. More about storylines. They have had this captain do some kind of wild things like breaking protocol. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a, <laughs> apparently I'm a very strict, uh, I'm with the Federation. <laughs> I'm with the Federation higher ups, and I'm like, the captain can't do that. Um, so, so it's taken me a, a little bit to get used to the little things in the show like that. But um, at the end of the second season, uh, there's gonna be like a little spoiler here, um, but not really. They jump ahead in time 930 years oh. from where the series started. Something happens. That's all I'm gonna say. And so the show kind of got flipped on its head at the end of the second season. They showed a little teaser for the beginning of season three, and they were just talking about how much fun it was to have a blank canvas and be able to paint almost a century ahead in time <laughs> into the fu- already you're already in the future, and then to add another century on now. And they were saying now the fans, hopefully we didn't disappoint you because we didn't know what to do at the end of last season, and we just had to write some crazy stuff, and hopefully it looks good. So that was really cool. Wow. That's a show that needs to be talked about. That was really neat. Wow. Very cool, yeah. man. Very cool. And, and then That's uh, awesome. as far as Picard, um, so the Picard panel came oh. out and you should have seen this room. This room was full. So um, it, this was at the Hulu Theater MSG. It was huge. I'm going to say there was at least, it's hard to gauge. I, I, the room might have fit 5,000. I mean, it was huge. It was a huge mm. panel. Um, but when Patrick Stewart came out, I mean, the place freaked the f out i mean this mm. was awesome and just talk about so commanding a presence on a stage you know you I, I was telling uh people you know how like there's so we're sitting here and and both the um cbs star trek properties were hosted by vladimir who's on cbs morning news um, oh okay yeah that guy so he's he's the kind of the host of cbs morning and he's great public speaker he's like a newscaster and he did a great job a big nerd so he knew a lot about star trek i, I hand you know Hosting one of those panels has to be a job because you have to ask all the actors at least something, even the side guys and the character actors. It's right. a job. Um, 
So he did great. You have all these other actors that are beautiful looking and can host. And man, when Patrick Stewart opened his mouth, you know, that that voice, good evening, everyone. <laughs> like, I mean, it like shook you. You got chills. That's how like still he can just command an audience like that. It was just amazing. That's so cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, as someone who, you know, at Broadway Con who's um, you know, hosted those panels, um, a lot of times it's on the you know, the host to come up with the questions. So it's it like you just said, it's it's sometimes hard to come up with questions for um some of the side characters, but you have to do it. And it's you know, you sometimes you find yourself fishing for for questions because the last thing you, you want to ask is, you know, do you like being a on the show <laughs> like yeah right you, you gotta really kind of find stuff that's gonna you know satisfy you know the fans in the audience because they they i mean i've seen twitter respond to poorly done panels and it's not pretty and um you know, especially at an event like comic-con where people are paying a lot of money to come to this thing so you really do have to make it worth their while and uh yeah it's definitely on the mind of the uh, of the, the the panel um host so to speak so good catch by you so yeah awesome, i mean i man. just i just uh, commend all the panels were great and i just and you know me i i love public speaking i love getting up in front of audiences and i was sitting there going man that's a tough gig <laughs> that's a real tough one i mean and all the panel hosts were fabulous they were just absolutely fabulous some were kind of uh comedian kind of people some were kind of uh, maybe radio personality, some were newscasters like Vladimir from CBS Morning, and they were just phenomenal. Like uh, seriously, they were they were the unspoken heroes of this thing because if you got the wrong guy, my God! And then so going back to that panel, um, they showed a teaser trailer. Now it's live online. I think it was the second teaser trailer for Picard, and that show looks great. So I think people should need to get excited, especially especially if you're a Trekker and you're a big TNG fan. Uh, it looks like it's going to be in our wheelhouse. So I'm definitely getting CBS All Access for at least a couple months to check those shows out coming back in uh, January, I believe. So Very cool, man. Very cool. All right, dude, what do you got for number three? Number three, uh, speaking of panel hosts, uh, I saw the Walking Dead panel. Ooh. And that was wicked cool. It was hosted by our friend Chris Hardwick, who is always awesome, who's been hosting Talking Dead for 10 years almost now. Um and I, uh, as you know, Chris, I went to Caroline's on Broadway to go see his stand-up on Thursday night. Yeah. And that was awesome. He had a lot of uh, zombie humor, but it wasn't all geeky stuff. He he broke out a guitar at one point and had a song about his wife's cat or something. <laughs> it was really funny. Just random <laughs> stuff. But a great, solid, at least, I, I was going to say he was on stage for an hour and a half. And wow. it was kind of my bucket list to just go to Caroline's on Broadway. You know, that's one of the top three or four stand-up places and i know you recommended that i might go to like a movie or something like that but the tickets were only 40 bucks so in new york city i was going to pay 30 at least for the movie so yeah exactly so uh he hosted the walking dead and they showed the first 10 minutes of episode one of this season and you know to be honest i fell off halfway through last season of walking dead um just for various reasons uh and you know, you can't watch everything. I, I try my best. But um, really, Walking Dead, you could tell that the panel was definitely less attended than the Star Trek panel. Oh, wow. And that was really interesting because one of the Star Trek, the one of the Trekkie guys in the crowd, rose his hand. Really, it wasn't a question. 
he was like, how do you guys feel? You know, Star Wars for a couple of years was really popular again. And it was like, his question was kind of nonsense, but it was really interesting. He just wanted to make an observation. He goes, you know, Star Trek was huge in the early 90s when, you know, of course, Patrick Stewart and TNG was going strong and those movies were great. And then Star Wars came back with a vengeance. But now you guys are kind of beating Star Wars. What do you think of that? <laughs> it was kind of a nonsense thing to say, but it would, everyone in the, la- in the audience started laughing. And it was like totally true. Like there was. And listen, I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. But can I say, Chris, there was. A, a disturbing lack of Star Wars representation at this Comic-Con. Mm. A disturbing lack. It was a disturbance in the force. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm, I'm really not. I think I think people are, are still in a state of exhaustion with this property. Um, I think the fact that Disney now owns it and has you know, the galaxy's edge and all this other stuff. It's like it, it, I don't want to say it's made star Wars less cool, but like, it's just, it doesn't feel the same anymore. It doesn't feel like you're part of this rogue band of fandom. It feels like you're part of the establishment now. So it's like, if someone showed up as a Jedi at Comic-Con, I'm sure they're not going to get a strong reaction from cosplay enthusiasts. They're not going to be like, Oh man, Sweet Jedi, you know, outfit. They're gonna probably be like, really, you couldn't think of anything else. So, <laughs> yeah, it was really, and maybe that's like Comic Con burnout, or, but I really think it's because of the property. I, Chris, I'm sitting here talking to you, and maybe I saw. I mean, this is Comic Con. I mean, how many people are Comic Con? Like five thousand at least. Or something? It was at, insane. At, at um, very least, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say there was. Five people I saw dressed in Star Wars stuff. Wow. And you know me. I know all the side characters. I know if there's like a Greedo over here or IG-88 over here or like, you know, a Bosk. But I didn't see anything. I just wow. saw I saw a couple Slave Leia's and shot, big shout out. <laughs> that, was <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was, and you know what? Besides the Slave, I mean, there's a lot of people, but besides the Slave Leia's, I didn't even see like a stormtrooper. Wow. Or a Darth Vader. Wow. Yeah, I can't even tell you. Like, I mean, I'm seriously, and I walked, I mean, I had 28,000 steps on like both days or something crazy. I walked around that thing. Hmm. And I, it was wild. So, I mean, so the guy saying that at the Star Trek thing was really funny. But anyway, getting back to, I'm, I'm flying all around, but getting back to Walking Dead um, and speaking of kind of, low attendance that one was definitely low attended you can tell you can tell the buzz has definitely gone down in the show and i think it happens with most shows um you know the audience applauded when they they did announce that there is going to be an 11th season after this so the audience actually applauded that because i think they are kind of fearing that it's going to be gone gone soon because rick is gone a lot of main characters are gone um, they announced that uh, Dinah, uh, Michonne's character, or Dinah's character, Michonne, I forget her name, Dinah something, is going to, um, this is her last season as well. So that was kind of mm. a big announcement. Um, uh, they haven't announced what happens to her if she goes away or she dies or something. I'm, I'm assuming she died, everyone dies in the show. Um, 
but they showed a couple minutes of this, and it was pretty good. Um, I just think they were kind of blown away by other properties at this convention. Right. So what do you think about that, Chris? What do you think about, like, dying popularities and in shows and stuff do you do you think that one's on the way out walking dead oh definitely i think there's i think it's not long for this world i think you're you're looking at two to three more seasons at the most and 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 to be quite honest with you i mean they really have only themselves to blame for it because you know it, it is one of the most inconsistent shows on television i i've tried to stick with it for as long as i could and the problem that you have is you know, here's a good example. Season two, when they go to the farm, yeah. like half that season is unwatchable. It's unwatchable how slow the pacing is for half that season. And then like one episode, one episode, everything goes to hell. And then you're like, oh man, the show's back. And then it goes right back. You know, then they go to that, you know, the, the, the town with the, you know, the sheriff and stuff like that. And then it goes right back to that same old slow pacing. So, I mean, really like it is one of the most frustrating shows um, to watch because it feels like, yeah, w- one out of every six episodes, like everything is the type of show that you would want the walking dead to be. So um, yeah, I mean, whatever popularity that it's lost is rightfully deserved. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. Yeah. It was, it was tough. It was kind of a tough panel. I mean, it was a great panel and that was hosted by Chris Hardwick and who, you know, another great panel host because he knows he definitely knows the property inside and out. You know, he knows oh, all yeah. the actors. He's interviewed all the actors. He knows the comics. He's a giant nerd himself. So for him, it was so easy. I mean, he did it with if there was like an Oscar for panel host, <laughs> you'd be like the king because that is a tough gig, man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That is just mm-hmm. so tough. And they had the creator of the comic at that panel as well. All these panels were great because they had the actual creator of the original comics at them. So you could ask questions of the actor. You could ask questions of the panelists. And, you know, Norman Reedus was there and uh, Negan was there. And uh, all these great characters from the show were just uh, talking. And everyone was wicked nice. You didn't get a sense that you you got a sense that everyone was just so happy to be on the shows that they were on and were very thankful. And that was such like a really cool vibe, too. There wasn't any like jerks or anything like that. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, All right, what's your number four this week, my friend? Number four, I just want to talk a little bit about um, the artists, the comic book artists that were there. Oh, um, okay. So down low, downstairs on like the first floor, you have Artists Alley, and it's filled with these comic book um, artists that are prolific. Um, you had the creator, like I mentioned, you had the creator of Watchmen, creator of Walking Dead, you had the creator of Deadpool there. You had um, uh, Bill Plimpton, who, is the, who did a lot of liquid television back in the day and has his own oh, nice. style. You had yeah. Bob Camp from Ren and Stimpy. Ooh. Yeah. And then you had one of the uh, animators from Mad Magazine who was signing copies of the um, fake, I'm not going to say it's fake, but it's the made-up magazine for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood, which I got a copy of. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm wicked excited about that. I'm going to get that <laughs> frame. Very cool. Yeah, and everyone was wicked nice down there. Uh, I got a couple things for the kiddo. Got a, got a Peter Porker poster for the kiddo. Um, and I don't know. That was one of the coolest things. I've never been to a convention like this. And, I, you know, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, I'm not 
that big of a comic book guy. Like, I am, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was still kind of... I, I was more starstruck down there. I, it was so hard because there were people just... You could watch them draw something brand new down there. And it was it was fascinating. It was like watching someone like blow glass at the Renaissance Festival. You're just like, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, people, people tend to forget like you know, what Comic-Con was founded on and, yeah. you know, it's, in, it's in the name. And so like, um, I feel like a lot of that stuff with, especially with comic books gets like pushed to the back burner nowadays with Comic-Con, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. And especially with, with those guys that, you know, quite frankly, let's, let's be honest, like, you know, they, they, you, they can, they can attend these things. Like you, it's not going to take a lot for them to, to necessarily be, be there. And, it's it's great because you get to really talk to these individuals and, and and really get the time with them rather than you know a Hollywood actor or someone like that. Like you really can get up close and personal and um, see their craft and see their skill sets and things like that. And actually, what's interesting, you know, you brought up Artist Sally. I mean, you know, my the the school that I work for, uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design. You know, we actually have a booth at Comic Con each year, and um, I keep asking them to send me, but um, you know, it's it's great because you know. We have a we have a lot of alumni that are working in industry, and they all like, you know, during Comic Con, they all come up and say, "Look, can I just like hang out at the booth and talk to prospective students and talk to people that want to get into this industry?" So it's like it's it's one of those industries that is constantly like, you know, looking to the youth, looking to the next generation, and saying, "Look, we want you to to get into this because not that it's a dying art form, but you know, certainly with the way that television is and stuff like that, I mean." more the better so it's that's awesome yeah and and there was great actual comic panels um there was a bunch of marvel panels uh there was a lucas arts uh comics uh a oh. publishing uh, panel that was great and they talked about um all the new comics they have coming out with all the characters like ray and uh, poe and all these other characters that are being written written into comics so those are coming out as we speak, and those were being released like in a couple weeks. So that was like a big release right there. And then, of course, I can't get away without mentioning uh, Japanese anime and manga and hentai and all that crazy shit. And there was a bunch of panels. There was one uh, author or publisher. It's called, um, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's uh, Kobayanga, I believe. And they do Ghost in the Shell, you know, my shit. Oh, sweet, yeah. So they had... um, a giant wheel out there handing out like kind of half free comic books. So you could, you know, take some home, check out what they're all about. And that was in high demand. Uh, you had, um, uh, crunchy is there and they, they released a bunch of manga stuff and a bunch of properties. There was Yu-Gi-Oh tables. There was, um, Namco tables and, uh, just all over the place. There was a bunch of chicks dressed like Chung Lee, which was awesome. And then they had, um, just it was all over the place and and asia and uh asian anime was highly represented and that was one of the coolest things about comic-con is digging into that kind of subculture uh you could really go down the roots i mean even though i'm a giant nerd of course um i was telling my coworkers like i got lost in the weeds sometimes oh nice there was there were so many panels that were about subsets of things like, uh, Chris, are you familiar with the show Angel? Yeah. There was an Angel panel. Oh. And Lynette was freaking out about it, and, and her friend Camille were freaking out. But I was like, uh, 
so that's from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? <laughs> so, like, I mean, there's so much nerdy stuff at Comic-Con that you really can't watch everything. You can't be a nerd about everything. You know what I mean? So, like, I know right. bits of stuff, but that's why I love. There was all these subsets of nerdy things, and it was just... It was a blast, dude. And so, to that point, yeah. to that point, I mean, you mentioned it before about how you know nice people are. In, in my experience at, at conventions like this, when you go up to someone and and ask them like, "Who are you dressed as?" Nine times out of ten, you're not going to get a what you don't know. Like, it's not you're not going to get met with like you know snarkiness about your lack of knowledge about obscure characters in anime. Like, they're going to tell you who they are and like if you ask like genuine questions about their character, be like, Oh, that's cool. Like, tell me more about that character. They're like, a lot of these cosplayers are more than willing to talk about like their passions and loves and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. What's weird though. My biggest thing with cosplay and maybe it's a pet peeve of mine. I don't know. Maybe I'm a purist. I don't like it when people mix genres or mix characters into a cosplay character. Yeah. Hot take. Um, like if someone, like, I, I remember like I came, someone came up to me and, and they were a Spider-Man stormtrooper and I was just like, eh, okay. And like someone, someone, um, I saw like a Wolverine character mixed with someone from DC and I was just, I can't remember if it was oh, like, uh, and I was just like, okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, call me, call Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. Maybe that's like you know, maybe I'm going against like the cardinal rule of, of cosplay, but I just, I don't like it when people mix characters into this like hybrid so to speak but you know teach his own i guess yeah yeah i mean no it and i i'm all for it uh you know i and they had cause they had a cosplay uh stage where people would talk about how they fashion costumes and stuff oh cool that was really neat and they talked about how like what kind of foam they're using to build now and it was very intricate and i i appreciate that as a person that loves dressing up and doing theater and stuff like that um So all the cosplayers, like you said, were great. I mean, you stop them. Hey, can I take a picture of you? And uh, this one guy was dressed as Weapon X. So while Wolverine's getting the antimanium on, antimanium on, he's you know, so he was shirtless. This guy was ripped, and he had the uh, the Weapon X headgear on, and just and he was going around like slashing people. It was it was tons of fun. Um, nice. But Chris, you want to hear my pet peeve? Yes, please. All right, my pet peeve. Okay, this is a hot take. All right, this is wild. Uh, so I'm, you're sitting in these panels, right? You're watching Patrick Stewart right in front of you, like 10 feet from you in some of them, and he's just got this booming voice. And what are people in the audience doing, Chris? Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, no. They're on their phones. They're on their phones. Are they filming it, or are they just looking at other shit? They're looking at other shit. Oh, screw that. Yeah. Listen, I was there representing the pod. I was taking as many pictures as I could, and then I was like, all right, listen, I got to listen to this. You know what I mean? And right. I look around. If people weren't holding their phones up to take a picture, they're on there checking stuff out. Uh, I'm like, you've paid so much money to get in here to this place and the, dealt with these tens of thousands of people, like these crowds to get here. And now you're going to sit down and jump into this phone. And, you know, I'm a big dude. So it was me pushing all these little people around with these phones out. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'd be in like panels. I'd be... Just, I don't know, just everyone was in their phones and just not paying attention to their surroundings. And and can I say, this is where the pet peeve gets a little hot hot takey. Uh, in New York City in general, everyone was on their phone. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's almost like they, they're not even there. 
it's it's almost unsafe to walk around New York City. Oh yeah. Because oh hell yeah. Of the phones, yeah. No, it's um, it's bad. I mean, you know, we're seeing, you know, more and more people. Um, like you can't walk down Eighth Avenue without bumping into someone on their phone nowadays, and it's it's even worse when you get to like the crosswalks because people just keep walking sometimes and don't even look up and things oh, like that. Dude, so I almost saw. Listen, I had my headphones on, right? Like, but I'm I'm a New York City tourist, so I'm looking around like smiling like an idiot, like looking up at the big building, and uh, <laughs> I should be the one getting hit. But people were down on their phones, like texting or doing something. And dude, I almost saw a guy get like hit in the with a bike or one of those. Like, oh yeah, those those bike, bike lanes are no things. joke. Oh my god, those I almost bike saw lanes that, are no like, joke. Last, yeah, my like last day, I was getting some dim sum. Freaking this guy, like almost got plowed into, and like the whole crowd was like. Whoa. yeah it's bad i mean and you know it's one thing if like if you're at like comic-con and you're you're trying to like plot your day like okay i can understand like pulling out the comic-con app and like that's why they have an app so that you can literally right. schedule your day and things like that so that i get but man it's like if you're i mean I don't want to sound like the grim reaper here but you know patrick stewart's not a spring chicken so how many opportunities are you going to have to listen to this guy live? You know, like <laughs> take advantage of that moment. Like, I mean, I was at, uh, gosh, what was it? Um, it I went to, oh, you're going to love this. I, w- I was, I went to a Broadway show years ago. It was in inherit the wind starring George C. Scott. Oh, and I mean, I mean, I'm not getting like, you know, varsity team George C. Scott at that point in his life, but right. it you're, still you're was getting, and it, it post uh the movie Lucas George C. Scott. Right. Thank you. Which by the way, uh underrated film. But underrated anyway, film. Uh, I mean Ariana Richards in that movie is ridiculous, but whatever. Ah. Teen crush. Um but like it, it's it's a thrill to see George C. Scott live. Also by the way, it, the other lawyer in that play was Charles Durning, so that was like even better for me. Oh, I was like, shit. "Oh my god!" Nice. I was like, "Charles Durning and versus George C. Scott," um, and it was great to be kind of in that moment and just appreciate the artistry and the fact that you're getting to see these guys act live. So, yeah, at Comic Con, when you've got these celebrities that you know are, are you know long in the tooth, I guess is that a phrase? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, take take advantage and cherish that moment. Film it. I mean, if you've got your phone out and filming it, okay, fine. Like that's, I think that's fine. You know, as long as you're allowed to film. Um, but yeah, like you know, bask in that moment. Don't don't cheat yourself. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it was such a pet peeve, and I don't know if we'll get some blowback for this, but I, my God, I mean, listen, I'm a tourist. I had no idea where I was by day two. I was like, okay, I get it. I just had to hit eighth and go back to my hotel. I got it. But um, <laughs> You know, I, I was like freaking out like when I first got to the city. But after a while, you're like, all right, it's a grid. You know, just don't go the wrong way and you'll be okay. Right. Um, right. I, I don't know. Yeah, that really drove me nuts. And like you'd be walking by these amazing cosplayers or, you know, hired people that they have walking through the crowd. And you just be like, wow. And people are just not paying attention. Crazy. Like there could be someone with like, their hair on fire and just Ugh. people are just walking right by them. It's pretty wild. Put your damn phones away, folks. Put your yeah. damn phones away. So good stuff, though. Good stuff. All right, man. What's your number five? Or was that your number five? I don't know. No, no, this is number. Oh, well, that was my hot take. But number five. That was your hot take. I love it. Yeah. Uh, number five. Just got a couple other little things. Um, 
Snowpiercer, the show, um, had a big old booth and a panel. I saw that. I saw pictures of that. That looked crazy. Yeah, and uh, there's a cool, really cool trailer. I don't know if it's bootleg that's up there, but um, it's really cool trailer that goes from animation to real life. And um, what? And I, I've talked about that movie on the show, and such a weird property be turning into a a TV show. But I'm kind of all in after that trailer. Nice. Yeah, um, and they just wheeled it out. So they're you know the the company itself, and that's uh, TNT. They're all in it as well. It sounds like they put a lot of money behind this thing. Wow. Um, they're wheeling out that. There was also um, a uh, a show called The Birch, which looks really creepy. They had a giant booth. Um, also, I'm just trying to think of all like the newer shows that are coming out. Uh, and then uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot had a booth, but I didn't see them there. And they didn't have okay. a panel. But then on YouTube today, when I looked up you know, New York Comic Con, he like announced from New York Comic Con, you know, Clerks 3 and all this stuff. I'm like, he wasn't there. So I don't know if Kevin Smith phoned that one in. <laughs> that might be the well, hot I take. I saw that they were at um, uh, the, the, that, I believe it was the uh, Wednesday before Comic-Con. Uh, uh, they, they were at uh, a wrestling event that was being filmed in Washington, D.C., so they were at least on this side of the country, but I at that time. But I don't know if uh, if they were at, actually at Comic Con. That's a good question. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just I went over to the booth, I asked the dude, and he was like, "No, they're not here." But then I saw like this uh, video, and he's announcing from Comic Con. I was like, well, I, "I didn't see him." <laughs> green green people. screen is a great thing to have. Yeah. Right, so I, <laughs> you know what, Kevin Smith, I'm calling you out on this one. <laughs> Usually you're a champion of comic books and nerddom. And I mean, your whole first half of Chasing Amy takes place at a Comic-Con convention before right. there was a Comic-Con. I, I get it, but I don't know. Calling shenanigans on that one. Calling shenanigans. I like it, man. Good stuff. So those were kind of the newer-ish newer properties that were there. But Chris, it was a blast. I highly encourage everyone to try to make it to this thing. It might be a nightmare to get into the city that weekend. It was kind of a nightmare walking through the crowds. If you have any, any anxiety issues, do not go to this. Right. <laughs> I mean, listen, I would I would consider myself one of the least anxious people on the planet. Like, I'm just, I I popped out and I just wanted to get on a stage and tap dance or whatever the fuck. But uh, at the end of a day, after bumping into a billion people, I was exhausted. Yeah. No, it, especially when you're bumping into cosplay and stuff like that. And like... <laughs> Some of that Giant stuff will take your head. wings coming out of someone. Oh, take your head off, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I've been, you know, I've been to the, the Javits Center is one of those places. I'm I'm usually there at least one every couple months, either for a convention or, you know, another event, you know, through my work and things like that. So I'm I'm very familiar with that building. And when it's chock full of people, now if anybody's ever seen the Javits Center, just imagine it chock full of people, and that is what Comic-Con is. It, it, it there's not a lot of places to walk and it's like one big you've got like the interior rooms and then you've got the exterior but the exterior is like just one long almost one long wide high uh, hallway so it's yeah if it's crowded there and you're someone who is you know agoraphobic is that the right word agoraphobic you're, you're uh, agoraphobic. Agoraphobic. 
agoraphobic. Thank you. Um, it is, it is not the place to be. Go stay at home, watch all that stuff on YouTube. Like just stay home because yeah, it's not worth, you know, having a, a breakdown app. But I will say this though, and, and a lot of sites out there will agree with me. Go, even though you're not going to get a lot of those headline making events, like the big you know, the Marvel release things that you get in San Diego. Um, I've heard from many people that, that it is easier to attend New York's Comic-Con than San Diego's because San Diego's convention center is a lot smaller. Uh, also, um, in terms of hotels and travel into the city, it's easier to get into now in New York and things like that, as opposed to San Diego, like the hotels, you could find a lot of hotels in New York city during Comic-Con. You can't find anything in San Diego when oh. Comic-Con is on. So, um, I mean, you literally have people giving up their houses, um, you know, for Comic-Con in San Diego, New York City, you're never going to have that problem. So, and it's, as weird as it sounds, you know, in, in San Diego, when when it's Comic-Con, like it feels like that's the biggest thing that hit San Diego that year in New York. It's like a random weekend. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, I totally yeah. got the sense that it wasn't, <laughs> It wasn't packed at all. Like, actually, the New York City felt like New York City to me. It didn't really feel like overpacked or anything. No, I mean it's. I mean, it's, it's as weird as it sounds. Like, um, Moda, which is like the makeup Comic Con, like it's the mm. Comic Con of cosmetics. That's like a bigger deal in New York City than Comic Con is. So, um, that's so. If anybody wants to ever experience a Comic Con like experience, go to the one in New York. It's just easier to get in and out and, and move around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually getting into the city for me coming up from uh, upstate New York was extremely easy. Took the train from Poughkeepsie, and uh, I think I texted you, Chris, and it was so, it was $13 for parking the whole weekend and 20 buck ticket into the city. Wow. Wow. There you yeah. go. And it took me like four and a half, five from here, which is like cake. I mean, no traffic. And then you're on the train for like two hours, 15 minutes, so you were just chilling out as you went into the city. So it was, and then, uh, the hotel from grand central was 15 minutes. It was nice. And then nice. on the way back, dude, I, I made it back for like fantasy football and the one o'clock games. It was brilliant. Oh, even better. Even better. Yeah, ben, final question. I want to ask you about comic-con. Yes, sir. Um, if you could change one thing about the entire weekend, what would it be? I, I don't know, man. It was pretty perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There, there you uh, go. Maybe, maybe I'd go back into that restaurant and talk to that Korean major d. There you go. But there you that, go. Other she offered to that. buy me a drink. She offered to buy me a drink. I should have gone back. But Comic Con, baby. <laughs> that's, that's my excuse. Comic Con. Uh, um, yeah, I had to go out to Comic Con. No, um, no. You know, I mean, the facilities at the Javits Center were kind of rough. Yeah. Um, the line for the bathroom. I mean, if you brought a kid, you're effed. <laughs> and you're the problem is, I mean, when you when you step foot out of the Javits Center, you're good like at least three blocks from anything. Like you mm -hmm. literally have to walk three blocks to the nearest restaurant sometimes. So it is it is a tough location to be in if you've got to go or if you need something to eat or if you. I mean, it's it's tough to do anything around. Um, that area, so to speak. So um, that's why I think, like, it, like the hot dog vendor outside the Javits Center just must be making a killing when it oh, comes God. to food because you don't want to get anything to eat inside the Javits Center because they'll charge you an arm or leg. So, um, 
Yeah, man. But that's, that's awesome. I'm so glad you got to see it. And folks, I mean, if you're Ben, if you're willing, man, I want to make this an annual thing. So as long as we're doing this podcast, as long as I'm doing this blog, uh, the amount of times, however many times you want to go to Comic-Con, you just let me know. Let's do it. I think, you know, I think it's good for the pod. I think I was able to hit enough things that are newsworthy. We're still not spoiling a lot. Um, you know, the, that's what I try on this pod is, you know, tell people what to get excited for and just get excited for this Watchmen. I mean, it, I, I don't think I'm going to go out on a limb and say, like, people are going to be like, ha ha, Ben, you are so wrong. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> this show is freaking, it got a standing ovation. I mean, people were freaking the F out. I mean, people, like, would go up to the stage for the panel and, and just go, like, their questions would be ridiculous because it'd be like, guys, I just want to say that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> like, that was what people were saying to the panelists. So, Crazy. Yeah, so that's any indication. And you're talking about, you got the kings and queens of nerddom. You know what I mean? If right. you mess up a translation of The Watchmen, which is a highly revered comic book you know, series, if you effed it up in any way, you're going to take some shit at the Comic-Con. And people oh, are yeah. coming up to them and just going, thank you. Thank you for finally doing this justice. That's what, that's what came out of their mouths. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. So and excited. Just as a short plug for anybody who lives in the tri-state area who happens to also be a theater fan because this is a theater blog, yeah. uh, Broadway Con is coming up at the end of January, January 24th through 26th. Once again, we will be there in full force. Um, I will be there uh, all weekend. I'll be doing uh, – I believe I'll be hosting some panels, but I'll also have – a booth there through my job as well, but we're going to be doing some live podcasts with some of our other podcasts uh, that are theater related there as well. So if anybody's going to Broadway con, which if you're a theater fan, you should, um, it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, we will be there as well, but awesome, man. That's great. awesome. Hey, I just want to, I want to give a shout out to uh, Lynette yes. and Camille and Sarah. I hung out with those guys in the city. It was awesome. And then you came out, we had freaking Korean barbecue, bro. Oh my God, <laughs> man. Uh, pork belly and uh, brisket. Did we do a brisket? It was so good. Brisket. I mean, the side vegetables. I mean, mm. apparently, apparently, I was supposed to throw my kimchi on the grill and grill that up, but I didn't do it. So, do that next oh. time. But yeah, John well, Grove inside our cabbage. I didn't realize uh, you could put that on the. I, I put it on the meat and stuff, but you could right. you could fry you that could up. Throw it up on the fryer, man. And apparently, it tastes so much different when you do it that way. But um, yeah, I, I missed go that. My Korean friends shamed me later on. They're like, you didn't throw the kimchi on the grill? I was like, I didn't know you were supposed to. They're like, oh, nerd. I was like, oh, I hate I hate you Koreans. Um, <laughs> I can say that because I'm but Korean. That's but. right, yes. Well, you know what? And I can say, you know, being a giant white man, that Koreatown <laughs> is my new favorite place on the earth. Like, I had so much fun. There is like towers devoted to karaoke and Korean barbecue and bubble tea. And just all my favorite things in this world. Just <laughs> it's it's everything, everything you could ever want is there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, no, it was it was great seeing you. Obviously, and great seeing Lynette, who I haven't seen in years. Yeah. So I mean, just just awesome. Uh, that might have head, to be an so. annual thing too. That was oh kind of awesome. because it sounds yeah. like they go to Comic Con all the time too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to get her in on this uh, these press passes as we have and things like so, that. So. Hey Chris, hey Chris, no. before we go. Do you have any YouTubing? You know, it's funny is I, I literally all the YouTube and I did was watching Comic-Con stuff. So I was like, 
Yeah, I didn't get to see like whole panels of things, but I watched like highlight clips and stuff like that all pretty much all weekend okay. uh, because I just wanted to catch up and, and at least bask in some of the glory that you you were able to experience. But um, yeah, no, it was it was great, and also there was some great you know um, YouTube uh, you know vloggers and things like that, and they they did kind of what you did. They they went around and talked to various artists and stuff like that. So I got to see some cool stuff in gaming and comics and. You know, uh, the, there's the the toy section where a lot of people are selling toys and stuff like that, which yeah. is just so cool. So I could have dropped so much money. It was <laughs> exactly. I that's did good. I got out with like I think I spent sixty, which is that's crazy. that's really good. that's yeah. like that's like penny pinching at Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, I got my signed. I got yeah, I got my signed uh, Mad Magazine. I got the Peter Porker signed. And then I got a, a Admiral Akbar head sign that says, uh, join the resistance. The emperor is lying. <laughs> it's pretty oh, awesome. That's I awesome. got that one. And then, uh, what else did I get? Oh, I got, a. uh, uh, um, so Deacon loves this one comic. We actually just read it. I, um, and it's, uh, Nova and Iron Man and they get together and they run into this orangutan that can shape shift. <laughs> so, oh it's so weird. And so Iron Man's like, Hey, I kind of like this shape shifting orangutan. He goes, where did he go? And he turns into this baby Iron Man, and he makes the funniest face ever. It's such a random comic, and Deacon thinks it's the funniest thing. So I had to look all around Comic-Con for this baby Iron Man. And I was trying to look up the author of the comic, and I couldn't find him. It was it was ridiculous. It was so ridiculous that, like, Lynette is like, what are you looking for? We were, we were looking around, like, 5,000 people looking for this baby Iron Man. And finally, I found not even – this is so funny. I didn't even think of this. Not even in the convention center, as you know, Chris, all those vendors, right? Like millions of vendors. Um, I couldn't find a baby Iron Man anywhere. And finally, in the Javits Center, at the little convenience store on the outside, there was Beanie Babies, Marvel Beanie Babies, and it had a mini Iron Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> For $10, and I bought it. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so random. And I was like, Deacon, you have no idea how long Daddy had to walk to look for this thing. And what is he in all of Comic Con? No one had a mini Iron Man. Oh my God! Make sure you save that story for Deacon later in life when he's less appreciative of your gifts. That's right. Um, you know, just be like, dude. You, know, like, you have no idea. Uh, I must have walked like seven miles that one day looking for it. Oh my God! Good Lord, man. Good Lord. Um, You're Father of the Year right there. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, can I just drop something on you? Uh, I'll I'll just YouTube drop something. So, Chris. Please. Um, so, you know, I love New York City. You know, as I, I love walking and just listening to music. It's like one of my favorite things around in my town. And in New York City, it's exponentially cooler because you can actually walk to things and people watch and do us things. But I love listening to music. And they're, my new guy right now, his name is Kamasi Washington. Chris, you ever heard of this guy? No. He is a saxophonist. And he has this album called The Epic. But if you youtube kamasi washington he's kind of this ridiculous looking dude he's got this giant afro and he wears all these daishikis and stuff um and he's got this one video kamasi washington street fighter moss and um it's a ridiculous video and it's it's jazz but it's kind of experimental i'm not gonna say experimental it's definitely it's freeform jazz it's a lot of soloing but it was one of the greatest things to walk around to in the city, nice. you know, in this giant city that just keeps you moving and stuff to put on the Epic by Kamasi Washington. You will not be disappointed. And there's like a YouTube video of um, 
him performing the whole concert live for NPR or the whole mm. album live in concert. And it's a great video. And uh, the bassist Thundercat is playing. So Kamasi played on To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. And so did Thundercat. So that's kind of how I found them. And they're my two na- new favorite artists. And I'm just getting way into it. As you know, I love jazz and stuff. But this stuff, it's like an experience. Like you'll have a full uh, string orchestra behind the jazz band and like a vocalist doing this kind of operatic singing behind it. It's all over the place, dude. And I can't recommend it enough. And it was great walking through New York City, listening to Kamasi Washington. Here, here. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, Good stuff. That's really Good stuff. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up on our, our kind of Comic-Con post-event discussion, so to speak. But um, good stuff as always. And, and you know, when we do this next week, we'll get back into like my top five, Ben's top five. But again, I just wanted to, this to be kind of a Comic-Con special uh, for those who couldn't be there. But um, Ben, thank you as always, man. This was great. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Thank you for having me and go to Comic-Con. Hopefully I did the pod proud. I've been listening to... Uh, the news during the day today and they were mentioning a lot of the things that i saw um like literally like as i was driving for work i uh, they said yeah walking dead has been okayed for an 11th season i was like man i heard that announced like in real person so people are talking about the things that i saw so hopefully i hit all the big events um next year i'll try to do the same thing awesome awesome all right folks we'll see you right here next week on desperately seeking entertainment <laughs> Thank you.